read uh, from Luke chapter 2, and that's what I'm going to focus on today. And in Luke chapter 2, the angels declared to the shepherds, peace on earth. And peace can refer to a lot of different things. Peace can refer to the end of war and the end of hostility and enmity. But it can also refer to harmony in your life. It can refer to calm in your mind. It can refer to tranquility in your spirit. Peace can refer to many things. Uh, and in the, the core Hebrew word for peace, the core idea in it is wholeness, completeness. And if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense because what is commonly behind a lot of pain and suffering and unrest in the world is division and incompleteness, trying to fill that incompleteness. And we think, look at war. Well, war is division between people and the desire to take more. Or we consider, you know, unrest in your mind or in your spirit. So much often this comes from conflicting thoughts. Our thoughts are at war within us. Or we have desires for contradictory things within us because we're trying to fill that incompleteness. And right now, we, in our society, we live in a time of growing uncertainty where um, what is true or not true, what you try to fill that incompleteness with can be anything. And it's no surprise then that anxiety and stress and depression are all rising because we're conflicted within ourselves and therefore also within our communities, our country, the world, and all this because we're, that conflict ultimately is conflict with God. And into this world of unrest, into our world of unrest, the angels speak peace on earth. And what kind of peace are they referring to? And, and how is it that the birth of a child, of a baby, can be the source of that peace? Well, we're going to look at uh, verses 8 through 14 in Luke chapter 2, which as we just pause and, and hear these simple words, there's much meaning here for us. So starting verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And, and not all people have kept sheep in the same way. I mean, maybe some of you, when you think of shepherds, you think of of the British Isles, and maybe you have an idea of men in, in tweed jackets and very stylish hats and walking with their canes while the very, very well-trained dogs go and do all the sheep herding. And, and I love this image because by my growing up, my family had a Pembroke Welsh Corgi, which is, which is a Welsh sheep dog, and I love that dog. And so I really like this image of sheep, uh, but, but if that's your image of shepherds, it, it is very far away from the ancient Middle Eastern shepherd. The ancient Middle Eastern shepherds were as poor and lowly as you can get. They were, they were insignificant, is maybe a great way to say it. The many of them lived in the wild with the sheep, and if, if one of them left or died, hardly anyone would notice. They, they were just not significant. But it's to these lowly shepherds 
that the announcement, the message of the Savior came to them first. And that means something. It means that the announcement is meant for all people. So this, this peace on earth, it's not meant for just rich people or important people or the super religious, perfectly holy people. It's meant for all people because in God's eyes, there are no insignificant people. Continuing with verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord, Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. They were greatly afraid. And throughout the Bible, this is, this is consistently man's response to the appearance of angels or the revealing of God's glory. And it's a very understandable response. It's, it's the response, I mean, it's, it's very similar to our response when we get too close to something that is overwhelming and overpowering. I mean, think, consider the example of mountains. Like, I can know intellectually, you know, that mountains are tall. But when I'm driving on a mountain road right at the edge of the drop-off, and it's not 20 feet, it's not 100 feet, it's a couple thousand feet of a steep drop-off. That experience, that, that is terrifying. That height fills you with dread. And maybe a little bit of a rush, too. <laughs> Some people like that. <laughs> um, or consider also the ocean, you know. You can know in your mind, okay, hey, the ocean's deep. But if you are swimming in the middle of the ocean, hundreds of miles from land, which I have, then, <laughs> then that gives a whole new experience to the ocean is deep. Because that, then you realize that, that, that the ocean, the depth of it is just incomprehensible. And yet it's, it's real. It's right there in front of you, but it's beyond. You can't understand how deep it is, but you're in it. And that is terrifying experience. It's not knowledge, it's experience. Or we, an example of overwhelming power, we think of, of the big waves of the ocean hitting the beach, which we love in pictures. They're very beautiful. We'll like, look at that there. But if you try to swim in that, especially if you don't know what you're doing, that you will find out very quickly that wave is overpowering. You cannot swim against that current. You can't fight that. All you can do is ride that current and go with it. But there is more to God than just his infinite omnipotence, overwhelming presence, because he's also a moral reality. He is perfect righteousness, perfect wholeness. He is perfectly complete and whole within himself. And so when we are in that presence, it, it cannot help but, but just make us painfully aware of our brokenness, our incompleteness. Because we, we realize, especially in his presence, in, when confronted with his word, that we have wanted wrong things. We have done wrong things. We have hurt others. The sinful selfishness in our heart, that's the source of the brokenness in us. And so we, we realize in his presence, his word, we can't have, mankind can't have outward peace when we don't have inward peace. 
we're without God, where we are divided, and we're incomplete. And so when, when we're in the presence of the one who is perfectly whole, who is complete in every way, who's righteous and holy and perfect, that is, that's terrifying to those who are not. And so the shepherd's response here is very, it's very natural and appropriate. They were rightly filled with great fear. But verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. The angels bring good news. Do not be afraid. The gospel ends our fears. And one of the most repeated phrases in the Bible is, do not be afraid. And we could talk, you know, psychology about the bad effects of fear and why it's important to, to deal with your fears and confront them, but the angels here do not come with coping mechanisms, as good as those, those are. They have come with good tidings, with good news. They've come with something objective to fight against fear. There is good news that will cause great joy. And joy is the celebration of something good, of good news. Joy is the antidote to fear. And we think of, of different types of good news that cause us joy and celebration. Well, you know, you win a contest. That's, that causes joy. You receive a reward. You achieve a goal. You, know, you reach your destination. You receive a great gift. All these things cause joy. But this last one is what the angels are talking about today. It is the receiving of a great gift. And this good news of this great gift, this, this good news will be for all people. That's, that's the measure of how good this gift is. It is for all people. That's how grand it is. And the good news that brings us joy is the birth of of a Savior. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the child is the gift. The child is born unto you. Child's not, so this child is not born for his parents in the normal sense, not born for himself. He is born unto you. He, his purpose is to be for you. And this child is born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. So this, this Savior is not just appearing out of the blue, disconnected from anything else. No, he is a particular Savior. He's the Savior promised by the God of the Bible to the people of Israel. And this child is a Savior. And maybe we've overused and become almost too familiar with this idea of Savior. So I just want to dig into it a little more here. A Savior is someone who delivers people from oppression or danger and brings them into a new condition of peace. And that second part is, is important. because So the Savior, he, he delivers them from the danger, but he also establishes a new status quo. He's, he changes the status quo so that those who are rescued are safe from that danger. 
And, and suppose here, let's imagine, let's suppose here that, that I'm hanging by one hand from a cliff. I'm about, and I slip and I'm falling, but someone grabs my arm and they catch me. But then, suppose, instead of pulling me up and standing me on solid ground, they just pull me up and put my hand back on the, on the edge of the cliff and they leave me hanging there again. Is that a, a full rescue? Is that a complete rescue? No. I mean, I might thank him for catching me. You know, thanks for catching me that one time. But I'd be puzzled why he has left me hanging there again. It's not a complete rescue without the second half, the new condition of peace. And in the Bible, God is the Savior. And the greatest example of, the, of this two parts is the Exodus. God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, but he also brought them into the promised land, the land where they would thrive and be able to live according to God's ways. So he delivered them, and he brought a new condition of peace. And so the child who is born for you is a Savior who will deliver you and bring a new condition of peace into your life. And this child is no ordinary person. This child is the Christ, which in the Old Testament Hebrew is the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And anointed, that, that means that this person is specially appointed by God for a mission and sent with authority and power. And I, I want you to imagine here that you can imagine that you've been given a task to complete. And it could be anything. It could be a task at work. It can be a homework assignment from school. It could be a chore at home. Anything. But if you are responsible to complete it, there are two basic things you will want, right? That you will want, and to basic word, you will want resources and authority. Resources meaning you, you want the power to complete. You need the power to complete what you've been tasked with doing. And then authority, you need, you need decision-making authority. Because if, if you are responsible to make sure it's finished, then you need to have authority to make decisions about finishing it. And so, so these are the two basic things that, that any mission, any task, you, you will need to have resources and authority. And if there's restrictions on those for you, it's going to be much harder for you to complete your task, to complete your mission. And so the Christ is appointed by God to the mission of your salvation. And he has been given authority and power to complete it. And since he's sent by God, appointed by God, he is sent with the highest authority and he's sent with unlimited resources. So this child is the Savior, this child is the Christ, and this child is the Lord. And one of the Old Testament names used for God is Adonai, which means divine Lord. And so when the New Testament uses that phrase, the Lord, and the angels call Jesus the Lord, they are referencing that divine name of God, Adonai, divine Lord. So the, the one who is Savior in Christ is also divine God. So it is God he comes to save and bring peace. He comes with authority and power. And he comes with the presence of God because he is 
God. And that's the good news. God is not sending just another temporary flawed champion to fix a temporary problem for one generation. He is coming himself to be the Savior for all people. He's been anointed to you, for you, assigned to you. He's the defense attorney assigned to you. He's the bodyguard, bodyguard assigned to protect you. He is the warrior assigned to break you out of prison. He is the Savior assigned to save you. Verse 12, this will be the sign to you. <clears throat> you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And at this point, I imagine some people reading this text might be doing a, a double take as, they, as their brain kind of does a, a backflip and their heart spins around because it might seem very contradictory to what we just talked about here. I, I imagine a mind, someone's mind going like, wait a minute here. No. So the person coming with God's authority and power to deliver us and bring peace to all people is, is a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Seems weird, I thought, this person with all coming with all this divine authority would come with more divine presence. <laughs> but I don't think the shepherds questioned that for an instant. I'm pretty sure that the, the angels and the glory of God breaking through were more than enough for them. And, but the, the angels give them a sign and the sign is given really as kindness to, to the shepherds and to all of us. Because the angels are saying, here is something objective in your world so that you may see and know that, that the Savior from heaven has broken into your world. And this sign is an ordinary baby wrapped in scruffy, plain material and lying in a feeding trough for animals. A little unusual, but very object, very ordinary, very tangible. <laughs> and we think about signs, we think about symbols, and in people, all people, I think we, we, we naturally value symbols, we use them, <clears throat> because symbols are a simple way to convey big ideas and big emotions. And so, so we draw them and we, we send them to each other. We communicate. We use our phones and we send emojis. You know, will you be my friend? Smiley face. You know, or the opposite. And symbols often have polar opposite meanings many times. You know, friendship or enmity, peace or war, frowny face or smiley face, the olive branch of peace or the sword of war. And the child is the sign of God's intentions towards us, of his kindness towards us, that his favor is for us, that he desires peace with us. Because think about a baby. A baby is, is not a threat to anyone. As much as, as young parents will, will, and will, will joke and kid about the destructive forces of babies against clothes and and anything and, and toys and anything fragile at all and or about the menace that babies are to their mother's earrings or hair <laughs> a baby is not threatening a baby is is completely vulnerable 
So God didn't just send a sign or a symbol. He became the sign. He became the symbol. And he didn't only send a symbol. He became as vulnerable as the weakest among us. So when God said he is for you to save you, he didn't just get on his phone and send you an emoji smiley face. Hey, I'm going to save you. No, he, he changed things. He came himself and he changed the status quo. And that is a cause for joy. Verse 13 and 14. <clears throat> I'm going to take a drink first. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So this was good news that causes rejoicing for all people. And so, and so much so that the angels burst into spontaneous praise and joy, giving glory to God. All heaven glorifies and gives glory to God for the glory of God shining out in the incarnation of his son. And the result of this news is glory to God and peace on earth. Well, what kind of peace? Well, first there is peace with God. Romans 5, chapter 1 tells us, <clears throat> Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, after his birth and as an adult, he would save us by our sins, or save us from our sins by his death on the cross. He died on the cross in our place. He took our sins upon himself. And for his sake, you are forgiven of all your sins. You are justified through faith in him, that he is the Christ and that he has done this for you. So the result of that is that there is no conflict between God and those who are saved in Christ Jesus. They, he has nothing to punish them for. They owe him no debt. Because Jesus turns away God's righteous wrath against our sins. And he brings God's grace and blessing into our lives. So Jesus is the one. He delivers from sin. That is the deliverance, the salvation. And he brings God's peace into our lives. That's the, the new condition of peace. That's what we talked about Savior before. He delivers and he brings a new condition of peace. And that new condition is that your relationship with God is restored. You are united with him. You are in harmony with him. But there is more peace <clears throat> Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when there is peace between you and God, then there is peace within you. Because now you are complete in Him. Now that, that may mean at times that because of the presence of His peace in you, you are more painfully aware of your old brokenness which is hanging on but passing away. 
But the difference now is you now have the source of peace within you to take that brokenness to. And that old brokenness, that is lessens. The unrest in your soul will lessen and the peace of God will grow. Because his peace deals with all your greatest fears. Fears of, of being caught, <laughs> fears of, of shame, fears of condemnation, of punishment, fear of death, fear of hell, fear of, of abandonment and being lost. All these fears are dealt with, with the peace of God. And instead of those fears, you now have the peace of God in you because God has saved you and made you whole. And that peace then, it starts to grow in you. It grows in your heart and in your mind and in your life. It becomes part of you, part of your presence. And in this way, it's, it's, it's beyond our understanding, it says, but its presence guards your hearts and your mind against the conflicts and the disappointments that you will still experience in this life. But the, and this peace is also not something we produce. It's not something we, we start generating. No, it is there because the, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. We, Jesus is that peace, and we share in that peace by his spirit that lives in us. And we know more of this peace as we grow in harmony with him. Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So the peace of Christ is a lasting condition of peace that, that spreads out from God into our lives. God is the one who is, is perfectly whole and complete. He is peace itself. And as he makes us whole and complete, his peace shows itself in our mind, in our spirit, and in, then in our lives and actions. So even when the world around you is filled with trouble, the peace of Christ, the peace of God is with you and in you. And that peace is founded on this fundamental truth that God loves you and is for you. And the last phrase of Luke 2.14 is, is goodwill to men. But I especially love the way the, the NIV translates it, which is peace to men on whom his favor rests. And I, I think that, that phrasing there just so clearly places this idea that this, this peace is because God favors you. It, it's not because you have pleased him or because you are a person of goodwill. I, I, quite the opposite. The, the, this peace on earth is exactly, it's, it's for those who have not pleased him. And that's what makes the promise so good. And it, it is not a promise that there will be goodwill between men because there will always be people who cause trouble and refuse to repent. They will remain this side of heaven. No, the, the, the peace on earth is there because God's goodwill is 
for you. His favor rests on you. It's based on his promise that he loves you and is for you. God has sent a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He delivers from sin and brings God's condition of peace into your life. He makes you whole and complete. And God gave the angels and the birth of Jesus as a sign so that the shepherds and all would see and hear and know that he has sent the Savior for you, for all people. And this is the good news of great joy for you, because unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Believe in him and receive his peace, the peace of God with you for each day. Amen.